Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick Levion with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today, it's going to be exclusively a Premier League podcast. We're going to be talking about the results from the weekend, how the table's sh- shaping up, the transfer news that's going on with the Premier League, because the Premier League has mostly been the only league where serious money spending has been happening this January. So we're going to go through that, and we're going to cover some other news that is going around the leagues, and we hope you guys enjoy the show. So, Lucas, it's a 1-1 draw for Manchester United, uh, stoppage time equalizer for Crystal Palace. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? Because we both expected for Manchester United to win, given the run of form that they've been. Nick, let me just say this. Congratulations to Arsenal for the Premier League title. <laughs> uh, because with the way City are playing, and we'll get into the results over the weekend, but the way City are playing... United dropping points today to Crystal Palace away. And Arsenal, in the form of their life, they're they're probably the best team in the world right now. Uh, like, they really are the best team in the world. Like, and they're playing so, so well. And they're playing so dominant. Congrats. You guys won the league. 19 games in. There's no stopping you. <laughs> uh, it's crazy to see this because I really, uh, I mean, I think they're going to win the league too. I said that uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, really, it's going to be kind of spented by everybody around, like, match day 30 to see. It. Like, if it continues to be like this and, and there's only eight games left and Arsenal are still, you know, like, eight points ahead, then it makes sense to me why we would want to give it to them. But they still have to play Man City twice, right? Manchester United this weekend is a huge game for them. Uh, but I expected for them to to win that game because United and Arsenal usually split a home-and-home home game. You know, uh, Arsenal lost at Old Trafford. Manchester United typically lose at the Emirates. So that's kind of where my head was at. Um, Full disclosure, I know I said that we both expected Manchester United to win, but I bet the Palace money line. I regret that so much. I should have done double chance. I just knew that the way we were talking about Manchester United, the looks on your faces, the happiness that you were like, Manchester United's back, you know, Ten Hag's at the wheel. Sign him a check, let him write whatever number he wants he on it. All those things. So what do you mean? He already has the check. He's gonna make him sign another one. And <laughs> and uh and just you know, usually it ends up happening where you least expect it, right? Uh I can yeah. see why United dropped points here. I mean, I agree with you with McTominay. Crystal Palace, you gotta say Crystal Palace are a very difficult side to face in the it's, Premier League. They're always a thorn in like every team's side, especially uh at home. They right. always somehow manage to beat uh, City, always get results against uh, the top six. Like, they really ha- are, are like a thorn on the side. But today was just like United should have won that game uh, just because of the dominance that they had in the first half. Uh, the second half, Crystal Palace did step up. However, they just, uh, United still should have finished it off. Uh, and we'll, we can get into the details, but I guess. There's a lot of referee mistakes that happened over the weekend and referee mistakes that happened today, in my opinion. Uh, we'll get into it. We can start off like with the results over the weekend and then gradually get into today's fixture if you want. Yeah, let's do that then because that makes the most sense. Going over the weekend, I'm just going to go through the results. And uh, Aston Villa beat Leeds United 2-1. Manchester United coming back and beating Man City 2-1 as well. Probably the biggest result of the weekend. Wolves beating West Ham 1-0. Uh, 
Nottingham Forest beating Leicester City 2-0. Brighton beating Liverpool. Uh, I mean, unbelievable. 3-0. Southampton beating Everton 2-1. And I want to talk about Everton for a little bit uh, as well. Brentford beating Bournemouth 2-0. Chelsea beating Palace 1-0 and stopping the bleeding. Newcastle beating Fulham 1-0. And then Arsenal winning the North London Derby against Tottenham uh, 2-0. So, you know, where should we start first? Probably Manchester United and City. Manchester Derby. Let's do it. That first half, it was absolutely sublime. I've never seen a Manchester City side that has had so much possession but did absolutely nothing with that possession. They were literally passing the ball in the, within the back four, just across the back four, back and forth. United, despite the low uh, possession statistic, they were dominating that game. They were so disciplined, so controlled. First and second half. Second half, City come off a lot stronger than the first half. And it, they're rewarded with the goal. Uh, they brought on Jack Grealish for Phil Foden. He gets his goal. He thinks that he gets the game winner. And then controversy ensues. Uh, and we'll get into this, the, the first goal. And I think me and you both agree on it. Marcus Rashford was in an offside position, uh, and Bruno Fernandez comes in, takes it away from Marcus Rashford. Rashford does not touch it, but Rashford was not called offside. Uh, because Rashford was in an offside position, there was the potential argument that can be said that he impeded uh, Akanji, and he impeded Ederson's vision in terms of which way or is the attacker going to shoot. In my opinion, he was offside. He should have been flagged offside. But as a United fan, I really don't care. And I'm glad that the goal stood because uh, Bruno Fernandez calmly slid it home. Uh, really, really well done by him. And that changed the game. Four minutes later, Alejandro Garnacho, the 18-year-old absolute superstar already, he uh, he turns over Ake, literally drop of the shoulder, crosses it in for Rashford. 2-1 United, and after that, it was just smooth sailing. They were so controlled throughout the entire game. Uh, really one of the best performances I've seen from United, and I would say the win is deserved for sure. Yeah, I think overall I agree with you. Everything you said was spot on. You know, the the way that United, and even though they didn't dominate possession, they were tactically disciplined, and that's what made the difference there. And I think that when you take that into consideration, you know, for them to walk away with three points, I feel like it's it's deserved. It could have been a 1-1 draw, right? That likely would have been the result had he not been offsides anyway yeah. because United started pressing at that point, pushed on the counterattack. So I think in my eyes, uh, the win isn't undeserved, right? The offside position also agree with you where uh, it's really just the feint for me that Rashford does, right? And that in a way, he kind of blocks Akanji too because you know, they don't know that he's offsides. They have to play him like he's on. And I think for that reason, that's why that goal should have been disallowed. Akanji does not know in that moment that Rashford is in an offside position and is tracking with him. If you look back, yeah. tracking with him and is not going directly to Bruno Fernandes. It's impossible in that situation for him to know what the situation is specific to Rashford being offside. So of course he's going to play them. Of course, Ederson's going to move up and try to defend Rashford when he's distracted because Rashford does make a faint kind of to make it look like he's shooting the ball. You know, 
ultimately, I agree with you, though. That result kind of pays wave in my eyes, and we'll talk about today's game more, uh, to today's result, right? But as far as that result on Saturday is concerned, great result for United. Exactly what you'd want to see from a side if you're a fan when you had low expectations this season. And sure. how they've turned it around has been uh, really nice to watch because it's not as if, you know, the players, all, for the most part, are different. You know, he's doing this a, a lot of the time, and the team is doing this a lot of the time with most of the same players from last year. Yeah, it's really, really good to see the way that Eric Ten Hag has developed these players uh, into the players that they've become. A lot of them, and uh, uh, honestly, I'm very, very shocked by this. A lot of them have really taken the next level uh, because they are being coached right. They're being trained right. Uh, you can see this with Marcus Rashford, who's been in incredible form right now. And up until today, he had scored in every single game. Uh, and then you can also see it in recently, Aaron Wambasaka. Brilliant, brilliant performances the last few weeks, ever since Diogo Dalo, who is another player who took his game to the next level, have really stepped it up. Uh, It's incredible to see the performances that they've been put in, the way that they've improved. And one of Wambasaka's disadvantages, or or what's the right word, Uh, negative aspects of his game is that he can't play the ball. Like He's not a good ball player, but his ability to play the ball has improved so much He's been a lot smarter on the ball. And also, he's been throwing in some skill moves in there. Like, he's actually been really solid. Uh, really good to see. And as you as a United fan, you have to be excited for the future. Yes, you drop points today. But it's away against Crystal Palace, who have always been historically difficult to face. Uh, and really, it, they dominated pretty much majority of the game and should have gotten three points. But the fact that people... On Saturday, after the City and United game, they were questioning if United are in the title picture. Like, that is a testament of how far Eric Ten Hag has gotten this team to where they are. Uh, Because before the season, we expected them really to finish, like, probably fifth, sixth. And now they're comfortably in the top four. Now they're in, also, you can claim that they're in the title race because it's an eight-point gap from... City uh, from City and Ar- uh, and United and Arsenal, where I don't think United are in the t- uh, title race. But if United win on Sunday, which we'll get into what our predictions are, uh, if United win on a Sunday, they will be five points back of Arsenal, and Arsenal still has to face City twice. So anything could happen. But really, uh, as a United fan, I'm happy because what I wanted this season. It was really just to win any trophy. I didn't really think that we had the chance of getting top four. But now we definitely have the chance of getting top four. And we have the chance of getting two trophies. Because we're in the semifinals of the Carabao Cup. We're in the Europa League still. Uh, and we have the FA Cup, who we've been performing very well in. Right. I, I want to get into... I mean, I'm not going to talk about Forrest and Leicester and Wolves, uh, West Ham, Villa, and Leeds, because they're kind of all in that weird spectrum, right? And we've already reiterated a lot of these clubs before. Uh, I mean, Southampton-Everton is kind of the the fixture that I want to talk about next, because I don't know if you heard, but the uh, Everton board was warned to stay away for this game specifically, 
and uh, and there was you know threats going on, so they chose to stay. But the the state of Everton has been just in in absolute shambles. You know, you have players going to their cars after the game and fans asking them if they're gonna stay if we get relegated. You know, like crazy stuff like that, which is it's just unbelievable to see the state of a uh, once legendary club to to be like this. I don't see really an out for them at all, Lucas. I think there's so much going on outside of the club. There's so much going internally. I've never thought Lampard was a good manager. And <laughs> I mean, it's it's so wild to me. Southampton is 20th and they beat Everton. So by definition, you could say that Everton's right now the worst team in the league based off of, you know, form and also kind of the the team that they have. They've only scored, I mean, all right, you, I want you to guess. How many goals have they scored this season? Oh, I, I, I know how many goals they've scored. You're looking they, at the table? <laughs> yeah, it's really, really, really bad. Right. Uh, they, they scored 15 goals. Right. And I, <laughs> I mean, they scored 15. They conceded 26. I know Wolves have conceded 12. But to score the second lowest amount of goals in the league tells you everything you need to know about the state that that club is in. They have players like Calvert-Lewin. Onana is great. Pickford is good. You know, all these players, if they get relegated, they're going to lose all of them. They're going to yeah. lose all of them. And so it's going to – and, I, you know, I hope West Ham gets relegated too. I'll say it right now. I want Declan Rice. Who doesn't want Declan Rice? Everybody uh, wants Declan Rice, but not for the price. And that's why you hope they get relegated because all these guys, Anthony Gordon, Jordan Pickford, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, they're going to be at a discount because these clubs need to sell. Connor Cody, fantastic center back, who is instrumental for that – uh, Moroccan World Cup run. Like, all these guys are going to be brilliant for other clubs if they get relegated. And I, I think the one player that we should call out is probably the best free-kick taker of all time. James Ward-Prowse for Southampton. He is going to be fantastic for any of the tops, top six who need a midfielder. He's really such an underrated player. And I think he's one of the best free kick takers of all time. And I'm not capping about that. I think he's two behind David Beckham's record, too. Yeah. So, so he gets that record. I mean, and I think he will. Uh, I mean, if if they get relegated, he's going to sign for another team. No doubt about it. Uh, he's too talented not to. Clearly their best player and is carrying them to, to results, too. So I, I just wanted to bring my focus on that because I just thought the way that the state of the clubs, right, the, fa- the way the fans have been treating the the board and the players themselves, it's just like so toxic that usually that's what you see when a club is basically on the verge of collapsing results-wise and, and going down. You know, the players don't need that. They need more positive reinforcement. And something like that is really what would change kind of the atmosphere there, but just absolutely kind of wild to, to see, you know? No, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Uh, I mean... The table is looking tight at the bottom, dude. You have two points, and we I know we mentioned this last week, but we have two points that is differentiating 14th place and 20th place. Last week, Wolves were in the bottom three. Now they're in 16th. They're two points uh, away after a victory. Like, it's actually crazy to see that the Premier League uh, relegation battle is this tight right now. Yeah, crazy to see that West Ham is down there because they have had such a good 
transfer window in the summer. Like they brought brought on uh, Skamaka, Lucas Paqueta. Like they had such a great transfer window, and now they're sitting at 18. Like it boggles my mind. They they just need a manager change. They won't get relegated for that reason, right? It's not like Everton where even a manager change can save them. They also don't have really like half the players that are capable of staying on there. You know, like you said, Calvert-Lewin, Anthony Gordon, Onana, Pickford, all good players, right? But at the same time, there's a the the way that they play, it's not it's not suitable, and I don't think a manager yeah. say uh, a manager change can save them. But with with like West Ham, if you take David Moyes out there, you put Pochettino in there. You know, that's that's like in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's incredible. They're gonna definitely finish at least mid table. You know, because. Yeah. Because they, they, the players that are in that team, they do not suit Moise's style of play entirely. There's a lot of good players there. But if they were to play a more fluid attacking style, then you would see players like Paqueta start to shine. And, you know, Skamekia, like you were saying, it's just, it's just very, very close for them. And I don't see them having as bad of a second half as they had for the first half of the season. And now, also... Go ahead. No, just fun fact. The gap between Arsenal and Man City is the largest gap in the Premier League table. Oh, Just yeah. Yeah, so congrats on winning the league. Like, <laughs> you guys got it. Run away with it. Boom. You guys are going to beat United this weekend. No Casemiro. You guys are going to beat City twice. Six points right there. You're going to open up the gap to even uh, 15 right there. Like, congrats. Whatever. It's good. it's good for you to be in the top of the league. Just... Just keep it warm and tight for us because next year we're coming. Um, switch his teams to Man City just to finish second place again. <laughs> I'm dead. That's actually so funny. From Dortmund to City. Uh, <laughs> now let's talk about the mid-league mid, uh, tables. Liverpool and Chelsea. <laughs> Bro, what is going on with Chelsea? What is going on with Todd Bowley? Like, have you seen that he's in... The Twitter forums, there's a Twitter uh, feature that you can go in there and you just talk to other fans, see what's going on. He was in that like landscape, which is insane. He's trying to see what the fans want. And he's like, all right, the fans probably want Mudrick, so I'll get Mudrick. Like, what is going on? <laughs> right. I mean, I listen, I kind of, I know this is so weird and this is probably such a hot take, but as an owner, I kind of appreciate or like looking at him as an owner, I kind of appreciate that he's doing something like that where he looks at the forums and he sees what fans think and he's like, you know what, F it, we'll just do that, right? So I kind of respect that because he's kind of just trying to gauge like what the fans want and and do it. And I just think that, you know, I I was talking about this last episode, but I just feel like he – uh, we'll get it right eventually. This is just growing pains for him because he doesn't understand really a lot of how things works. But I think, and I, but you, I can tell, like, just as as weird as it sounds, I can tell that he low key kind of loves it by just the players that he's signing. You know what I mean? He just, it just seems like oh, he's, he's he's playing a game of FIFA, right? It just seems like he bought this team, uh, and he he signed like the the promise that he would invest funds in it, and then he just got really into it, and he just, you know, he doesn't care. But I, I can see what they're doing with signing younger players right now. I would give it, honestly, like another season just to see what happens. And, and it all comes to whether they will stick with Potter or not. And I think they should. I, don't, I think it'll be a mistake if they don't. 
and and that's really all it comes down to, honestly. With, with Liverpool, it's way more interesting to me though, because their midfield is just not good anymore. <laughs> it's they have all the attacking talent, they have great defensive talent, but their midfield is just overrun, and they need to like uh, they need a couple of central midfielders. Uh, to to be able to hold the fort. You know, they talk about Bellingham. Bellingham would be fantastic for them if he's willing to sign for a team that likely won't be in the Champions League, right? Uh, Telemans is another player I look at that would be beneficial. If they were to get Telemans in this window, that's really kind of like what they need, right? They need to at least, you know, try and see if they can get someone like him because he would improve the the quality for the midfield for them. And he's really kind of all they need in order to to kind of stay out the rest of the season. We've seen Thiago get hurt, and uh, he's out of form for that reason. You know, I mean, Fabino continues to be great. He's a great defensive midfielder, but at the same time, you need more and more than that. Like I, Milner and Henderson are just no longer the same. They're just not what they were. No, I I totally agree with that. I mean, they're definitely getting old, and but I I don't think a midfield solves this issue. Um, I think it, it, there's a, a issue really just greater than uh, the midfield, and I think it's everything. They're just not the same tactically. Uh, it just does not look the same. You know, even when they won yesterday in the FA Cup versus Wolves in the uh, return fixture, they didn't dominate. Like, Wolves played better than Liverpool. And defensively, they're so poor. Van Dijk doesn't look the same. Uh, you have Trent who's playing too attacking. You have Robbo who's playing too attacking. They don't know what their back four is now because they've been rotating the two center backs so much. Last week they played uh, Konate and uh, who is it? Matip instead of Van Dyke. And they lost 3 0 to uh, Brighton. Like, I think it's Klopp is starting to get. Too big for his shoes. Actually, no. Club club has won a lot. I think his shoes are very big. He deserves uh, very big shoes. But what I mean is, like, club is getting to that level where he's like, all right, I've won the Champions League with them, won the Premier League with them. I think, I think I'm good. And I think he's just, like, trying to do his best at the moment, but the players are not the quality that they are. Like, you have Darwin Nunez, who hasn't really lived up to the potential that he has. Cody Gakpo has not done anything for them these past three games. Salah's not been Salah. They don't have a playmaker. Right. That's what they're missing, but also, like, everything. Start to finish, they don't have anything, in my opinion. Okay, that's that's, an interesting take. I think that a couple of midfielders will really change the direction. It's it's kind of like I, I do agree to an extent where they've gone kind of complacent, where they feel like they've won everything, right? And they're just resting on their laurels at some points. But I do feel like when you filter out not all the squad, but some of the squad players out and bring in fresh faces, then I think it'll be revitalized again and they'll be able to kind of be back to normal. You know what I mean? Because their squad on paper, you know, aside from obviously a couple of midfielders, it's very good. There are good players all throughout this team. It's just one of those seasons where it's just it's not clicking, right? Like we've seen Arsenal have a couple of those seasons, Manchester United, you know, Chelsea's having one now too. It's Liverpool's turn. You know, they can't all be like City, where City just brings in talent 
year after year after year after year and knows when's the right time to sell these players, you know? Like, mm -hmm. his, if you think about it, they sold him, they sold Zinchenko, they sold a lot of players on their team, Ferran Torres, because they are trying to bring in fresh faces because they want them to continue the hunger. So sometimes yeah. it's good to to get rid of that those players, you know? If Salah wanted to leave, like, Maybe he should have sold him at that point instead of signing him to. They should have sold Sadio Mane before, like right. a year before. I agree. got more money for him, uh, and yeah, I guess that's that's up to the ownership. And I mean, the owners are now trying to sell, and nobody's really interested in buying Man. Uh, in Man uh, sorry, nobody's really interested in buying Liverpool right now, which is crazy because there's already been two known uh, interests. In buying Manchester United right. with the Blazers potentially selling. So it, it just blows my mind. It will be difficult for me to see Klopp finish this season as manager of Liverpool if they don't step it up. One, two more games that they keep losing, I think before the Champions League, they can potentially get a new manager in. Let's say Zidane. Let's say, uh, like, I don't know who it can potentially be, but I don't think. Klopp has a chance of staying uh, either this full season or in the offseason, he's not going to start. He's not going to be the manager of Liverpool next year. So I have to ask you, it's, it's because he steps down, right? They're not going to fire him. I think they can fire him. You think so? I, I don't think in any world I would ever fire him. He is... I wouldn't. Trust me, I would not. Yeah. But there's going to be so much backlash from ownership or the transition of ownership. I don't know how it's really going to work with Liverpool and FC, uh, FCG, uh, or FSG, sorry. But I, I I think they'll fire him. I don't think they should. I think it should be mutual because he's done so much for that club. Right. He's taken them out of the wrenches. Right. I don't think they'll sell him or fire him, sorry, because I think he's part of the reason why uh, a buyer would be attractive to that club, right? If they're going to invest money in it and then they're going to want to bring players in. I just feel like, you know, we should see. We should see what happens with this situation because he did sign a new contract. Uh, so so he is going to be there till at least 2026 is, is what his contract says. So we'll see what ends up happening. I could see, I could see him wanting to continue. Uh, I don't know, man. It could go either way. He told me he stepped down. I would believe that way more than them sacking him. Because I think if he gets sacked, like he would get hired. Uh, so any other job he would want, he could have his pick. He could do whatever he wants after that. At that point, you know. Oh, for, oh, sure. for sure, for sure. So, Reed. so, so it's going to be interesting to see. But I think that's a that's a really really interesting take that you brought up there. What's uh, yeah, what's the next match you want to talk about? To be honest, they still have a chance of getting in into fifth spot. I, I don't know if they have a chance of getting into that top four. I think right now this top four is pretty secure. Okay. Uh, what what do you think? No, I, I'm not going to close the door on them. They're capable of going on a tear of like 10 games at any time, as we've seen in the past. Uh, I know that it's very it looks seems very unlikely right now, right? It's just like hard to picture it, but they were on a mini run before they lost these two games. And if you're looking at the matches they have coming up, right, they play, I'll read them to you. They play Chelsea, which is a tough game, right? And then, and then Brighton and the FA Cup. So they get a rematch, right? Rematch immediately. After that, they play Wolves and Everton. So then they can, they can really kind of start to bounce back. They play Newcastle, they play Crystal Palace, they play Manchester United, they play Real Madrid twice. 
but then really for the rest of their fixture list in the season, they could end on a run where they they crush the rest of the teams. You know, you look at it, they they have Leeds, Nottingham Forest, West Ham United, Tottenham, who haven't been impressive, Brentford, Leicester City, Aston Villa, and Southampton to end the season. So, like, it's possible that they go on a run at, at the end. Uh, but I don't think they'll get into the top four because it's going to come down to February 18th where it's Newcastle versus Liverpool uh, at St. George's, at St. James's Park. And I think Newcastle are going to walk right over them. Like, they're truly such a better team than Liverpool. They're uh, better coached 1,000% right now. And they play with a lot more fight, especially at St. James's Park. Like, they truly do uh, a much better job. And if they win that game, Newcastle, that is, they will, I think, secure that top four spot. Uh, Because I don't see City losing to Liverpool at home. I don't see Arsenal losing to Liverpool, even though... Uh, Arsenal are away. I, I, I don't think Arsenal will lose. Uh, I, and the rest of the games, I agree with you. Liverpool should win. But those three games are going to be really, really important for Liverpool's top four push. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this second half. Who knows? They could bring in another player, right? If they brought in Tielemans, like, I think I would be, you would be more open. You'd be like, oh, okay, like, what's going to happen now? But uh, I kind of I kind of feel like we both will end up being like this is a wait and see what happens. For um, sure. What's the next game you want to cover before we go into today's and tomorrow's match day? I mean, well, I think we can go, just go straight into today and tomorrow's match day. Uh, I mean, today's game, one-one draw against Crystal Palace. It felt felt like a loss, dude. It's just so weird, but it felt like a loss. And it's weird because last year I would have been so happy with the draw away against Crystal Palace, but Eric Ten Hag has changed the mentality of this football club. It is incredible to see the work that he's done. Like I mentioned it earlier, we're now in the conversation for a potential title push. I don't think we're ever going to be in that conversation this season. Next year, for sure, because you get him a couple signings. But these are the same players that he had last year. We talked about this earlier. Same exact players. A few players he added in. Casemiro, fantastic. Lissandro Martinez, fantastic. Malasia, getting Shaw to that level, and he's pushing him to a better level. You know what I mean? Uh, Anthony, yes, he was very expensive, but he has the potential to be able to be one of the best. He has that Robin-esque feature to him. Like, everything else, same exact players. You still have Fred, who's played fantastic. You have Bruno Fernandes, who has stepped up his game. Who's with Bruno Fernandes from 2020 to 2021. Uh, you have uh, Rashford, incredible. Diogo Dallo, Varane, De Gea. His distribution has been amazing. He has improved his game so much. And... I'm really happy with how De Gea has been playing. The thing is now we need next year to get uh, another, a few more assets because the players coming off the bench are not the best. So we need a few more assets. And But I think this year, it was a great year for Manchester United all around. And if we get a trophy on top of it, finish top four, we'll be happy. Uh, with this result today, it hurts, yes. If we had won, 
it would have been two more points, which honestly we probably should have won. Unbelievable goal by Olise, uh, Olise. yes. Uh, unbelievable free kick. If you haven't seen it, the free kick bar down, incredible, incredible strike. No keeper saving that. Uh, and yeah, like it just, it hurts, but it's, it's expected. You're not going to win every game. Right. It's going to happen. You're going to drop points. Uh, really it's, it's, it's going to be difficult to kind of like be perfect every single season. The, the teams that are going to get results are going to be teams like Crystal Palace that are impossible to play at Southampton Park. You know, it's just it's just one of those things where when when it's Crystal Palace at home, uh, I always consider betting on them at in all kind of games. You know, and uh, it's it's super interesting to see how you know Manchester United will fare in the second half of the season because they definitely exceeded expectations this first half. Now they have to continue on and build because they're not going to really make any more signings. You know, they're going to be done with Weghorst and he's going to be the only player coming in. I think it's a good signing for them uh, considering that they need someone to come off the bench that, that helps change the style of play in those situations when they're down and they want to bring the ball into the box. So I'm just kind of curious to see what ends up playing out for them. They're one of the teams that I'm most curious about second half of the season. Them and Newcastle and Liverpool are probably my, my top three to see how they, they end up playing out, right? Does Liverpool get better? Can Newcastle maintain their form after you know this first half of the season? Because if they get a couple of injuries, then they're they're definitely gonna be out of it. You know, they've only lost one game, but they've drawn eight times. And so those are the things that I'm really interested about. Going into tomorrow's fixture. Tottenham versus Manchester City. I think that's a huge game for both clubs. For both clubs. But I think Man City wins. They should. They Man City is not going to lose three games in a row. They are not going to lose three games in a row. And did you see Pep Guardiola's post-match interview uh, after the United game? No, what did he say? So he said something along the lines of, yeah, we've won the Premier League. We oh, won the oh. Carabao Cup. Uh, what do you, what more do you want me to do? I, I guess what we lost this year. Like now, now he's like, like I don't give an f mentality right now. He's gonna get his players into that mindset. Like everybody's already doubting us. Let's go out there and show these mfers that we still are the best team in the league. Right. So I think tomorrow's gonna be a statement game. I agree. When he gives those interviews, they they usually uh, lead the lambs to slaughter the next game. And, yep. and so that's what you can see happening here in this situation where they just uh, absolutely go off. Holland hasn't scored uh, in a couple of games, I believe, too. So I expect for that to change in this game. We'll see what ends up happening here. But i uh, really excited. Man City, I mean, the thing that's so interesting to me about this, Lucas, is people will kind of look at their first half and be like, oh, like kind of underwhelming, right? But if you yep. really think about it, if you really think about it, if if they win Tottenham's game, right, and they're they're on pace for like 82 points in the season, that's kind of usually what you would expect for a team uh, to win the title. You know, you yeah. expect you expect mid to like to mid 80s to mid 90s to win the title on a season by season basis. Sometimes it gets crazy, right, with Man City and Liverpool being at like 198 points at that point a couple yeah. of seasons ago. 
But other than that, it's usually 85 to 95 is, is the threshold you need. So I think this Manson team is good enough to win and really in any other year. It's just that in this year, Arsenal's just been in the form of their life. And at, at this point, you know, it, I, like they have not, I know they lost and they drew two games, but in my opinion, Arsenal has not had a bad game this season. And even though Man City is still doing well, they've had a couple of bad games. And that's been the difference. I call Arsenal the absolutes. You want to know why? Why? Because it's just 100% certain every single time that they will absolutely win. Because literally, they're they're the most certain team that I yeah. know are going to put in a shift. They're going to put in a performance no matter the game. Right. You know for sure they would do everything to get a win. Even when they lost against Manchester United, you know, both of us didn't walk away saying that they, like, played terribly. Because they no. had chances, you know, they had their chances that game. It's just that Manchester United put away their chances and Arsenal didn't. And that was the difference. So it's it's really interesting to see how it plays out the second half of the season. Uh, I want to go into the fixtures before we we go, but uh, what games are you kind of eyeing this upcoming match day weekend? Obviously, besides our beloved game. Besides our beloved game, bro. Liverpool and Chelsea Saturday morning. That's gonna be incredible to watch. For the mid clubs, right. <laughs> two clubs who have now turned mid, like it's a mid off. Uh, it's crazy that it's like it's Liverpool Chelsea, seven thirty a.m. Eastern, and we don't like. There's no hype around it. Like usually there will be so much hype promo on it, but now it's like, all right, two two mid table clubs, and whatever happens happens. But I will say the loser of this game will not even get close to finishing in top six. Right. I mean, not top six. Right. I mean, the thing Liverpool has the advantage here because it's at Anfield. So I kind of do like them better uh, than Chelsea, even though it's hard to wrap your head around given the past weekend. West Ham Everton is very interesting to me. So, you know, it's basically 18th versus 19th. West Ham is at home. Uh, Everton has been in terrible form. I think that this is a result that also pushes Everton on the brink where they lose another relegation six-pointer. And they're basically, I could see them, you know, after this weekend, sitting bottom of the table with Southampton playing Villa. It's possible that Southampton could get a result there, you know. So I could see see Everton being bottom of the table after this weekend. Uh, Really... You know, those are kind of the only other two games. Fulham-Tottenham has become an interesting game to me because Fulham has been very impressive this season. Easily the team that has exceeded our expectations the most. You know, Newcastle, we thought they were going to be good, but like Fulham, we we thought they were going to get relegated, you know? And so so they've really exceeded expectations. To see them sitting sixth, and you you got like a sixth-place versus fifth-place matchup as well. I mean, I think that's really outstanding. Not a mid-table matchup. You know, as crazy as it is, it's a European matchup basically for a Europa League spot. So, no, sure. So, really interesting uh, scenarios there. Uh, I wanted to ask you before we went um, did you see that Memphis the Pie is going to Atletico Madrid? I did. I literally just saw it now. Okay. And it's crazy. 
Yeah, I think that's wild to me. Uh, you know, they Barcelona doing that move, like selling them for, I think it's 3 million euros is the price. I think it's fine because they were expecting him to walk away on a free anyway. So they get 3 million euros and they get him off the books. So it kind of makes sense to me. I understand it. I just think it's it's really interesting to see some of the business that Barcelona has done over the past few windows because it I can't say they've done any bad moves, but it's like they they're doing moves just solely for the goal of profiting. You know what I mean? They want to profit from Aubameyang's contract, so they sell him to Chelsea. They do the same thing for Depay. So it's all really interesting stuff that they're doing over there, but it's not something that I'm like super hard against. You know what I mean? I mean, Memphis Depay was not going to play much. Yeah, no. like Lewandowski was going to get that starting spot no matter what. Uh, they had Antu Fati, who who's coming back off injury. They have Ferran Torres, who can play the striker role or as, a, as a number nine, false nine. Uh, they have Dembele. Like, they have a bunch of attacking options. I was never going to see Memphis Depay uh, getting more playing time. But what's interesting for me to see is the team that Memphis Depay is going to. I don't really see him fitting in with Atletico Madrid. I can see him going to the Serie A. I would see him being perfect for a team like AC Milan. Seeing uh, like perfect for Inter Milan. He gives me that Lotaro Martinez vibes where he can play perfectly for that team. Uh, so that's, it's more so, I'm not shocked that he was sold. Great for Barcelona to get some fees out of it. Uh, but I don't think Atleti is the right club for him. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Italy would have been a better move for him. If he went to Juventus, I would have liked that a lot more. Uh, I would have liked him at AC Milan. I would have liked him at Inter as well. I think he go- he does really well in Italy. We've seen him struggle in the Premier League. I think that was just the club that he was at, the situation at Manchester United at the time. Uh, but he could do well in the Spanish League. I just don't think Atletico would have been the team. I know this is weird, but I would have really liked him at a team like Valencia or Villarreal where he has the opportunity to play a lot of games and he can be the star player and like and like his quality is clearly better than the quality of the other players on the team but he can take them up another level so that's kind of where I think he's best because that's how he was at Lyon too and that's how he was at PSV as well so I think that's kind of what I really envision him being like but it's just interesting to see how it plays out. I don't think that he'll get a lot of game time at Atletico either. Our boy Jan Sommer, though. I was just going to say that. You took it away from me. Let me do it as a Swiss man over here. Do it. Fully deserved, my guy. He finally gets his big club move. Jan Sommer is on his way to Bayern Munich. He's going to sign the contract on Thursday. Medical tests are going to be completed in the morning. Everything's signed, sealed, and delivered between Bayern and Gladbach. I'm hyped, man. Yeah, That man, is brilliant for him. I love it for him. I think it's a, it's a great move. He's instantly going to be their starter. Uh, there's no reason why he wouldn't he wouldn't be the, the – I mean, just the player that, like, we expected him to always be. With Switzerland, he's been fantastic. At Mönchengladbach, he's been fantastic. He's been the reason – why Byron always loses to Mönchengladbach. Yeah. He is literally the reason. All the saves he makes, and I'm sure that they'll end up losing again when they play on the back-to-back because that's just how it is sometimes. But 
it, it's just incredible. There's nothing that he does that is a weakness. He is great in all areas. I can't stress this enough. Dude is amazing and cannot be happier for him to to join a big club. I yeah. think. Speaking of the Bundesliga, I think before we go, it's a good transition to mention that the Bundesliga is kicking off again this weekend. Finally, after you know a long time away, really excited to see what shapes up. We have uh, Bayern Munich against Leipzig as kind of the opening game for the weekend on Friday, which is going to be super, super interesting to watch. And then you have Mönchengladbach, Leverkusen as well. Just a lot of, lot of good t- teams and good games and. You know, we're always going to see the over kind of hit here, but it's gonna, <laughs> it's going to be cool to to continue to watch. You know how this shapes up. Yeah, for sure. All right, Lucas. With that being said, is there anything else you would like to add to the pod? Nah, my dude. Let's just enjoy them techers because it's going to be a good one this weekend. Nick, wish you the best of luck on Sunday, eleven thirty a.m. Eastern.